Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We're just about there, almost time for the new high school sports season and new high school football season to get underway. Of course, this week, uh, later this week, will be the first scrimmages. In fact, the first scrimmages are already underway. There are a few uh, around the state on Thursday today, uh, starting as early as 10 a.m. A couple uh, this evening, uh, but the most of these scrimmages, high school football scrimmages, are set for tomorrow, Friday night. Around the state, as teams get underway, teams get a chance to hit somebody else after a week and a half of uh, button heads with each other. It's going to be a, uh, an, a, a fun year to get back to a, a larger sense of normalcy. Um, that's going to be one of the, the storylines we're going to continue to follow. You know What are going to be protocols and guidelines, what schools are, are, are going to have in place. We already have seen uh, some schools that are indicating they will have masking required for all students uh, during the school day. I don't know that I've seen any that have said they're going to require masking during uh, at least outside athletics. Um, I don't know, for instance, if the Madison schools, if they're going to require masking for their athletes during uh, during volleyball. Um, I have not seen that yet, but I, I would not be surprised if there are uh, protocols in place. The the WIAA has, has um, initially, I, I think, didn't want to have any guidelines or protocols, wanted to get back to normal. But with things uh, ticking back up and in the way they are, they, they did put out some fall sport guidelines. They were much smaller uh, and, and shorter and to the point than what we saw last year where there was a lot of sports-specific uh, stuff um, and, and various mitigation controls. The, the document they put out now basically you know, talks about quarantine periods. It talks about vaccination and if you're vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine due to a close contact. Um, it does talk about masking and how that may be required depending on local health guidelines and how it, it is required by the CDC on public transportation. So uh, teams that are going to games and if they have to bus to practice, perhaps uh, bus or uh, masking will be required on buses. But for the most part, the, the WIA is, is kind of handed it off and said, okay, schools, you're, you're set to... You know, have your own protocols and guidelines in place. If you want to use what we had last year, fine. If you want to develop some of your own criteria, that's fine too. Uh, so that'll be a big story. Um, if there are going to be any, uh, and I guess I, I would think there will be some COVID cancellations this year, but how many? Last year, we knew there was going to be some. Uh, in the fall, uh, almost 25% of games ended up having to, to be canceled. Much better uh, in the spring where it was uh, it was over 90% were played. Um, I think we will be 90 to probably even above 95% of games will be played this year. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see. And that'll be, again, something that we will certainly follow, uh, especially as we start cranking up to games, which start next week. We're only one week away from the first games of the high school football season. The very first game. Next Thursday, 4 p.m., an afternoon game, Menominee Indian hosts Auburndale. Menominee Indian, one of the few schools in the state that does not have lights on their field, so their home games are all afternoon affairs. So that's the first one on the schedule. And then, of course, uh, most of the teams get underway next Friday. Um, a smattering of games on, on Thursday and Saturday as well. But Friday Night Lights, back at it in full, uh, full effect next week. 
and it'll be good to get back to some normalcy. And speaking of normalcy, that means that we are looking forward to a normal high school football season where we are going to be spending a lot of time talking about playoffs. Of course, high school football last year in Wisconsin was the only sport that did not have a playoff uh, tournament, a true playoff tournament. There was that two weeks in the fall of the culminating event, kind of a, a, a bunch of mini four-team tournaments, but no true state champion, no true playoffs or tournament. So uh, excited to get back to that. And of course, when you talk about playoffs in football, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. There's a lot of intrigue that comes along with that because playoff divisions are not determined until the end of the season. So every year, we, we don't know what teams are going to make the playoffs, first of all, and also what division teams will be in until the regular season is complete. That last Friday night of the high school football season, it'll be crazy. It'll be wild. It'll be good to get back to spending some time figuring out tiebreakers and... Um, and all the good things that come with that. So that does mean that there are the possibility of some very interesting divisional changes this year. I think the biggest one that people are looking at and, and paying attention to is going to be Regis. And if the Ramblers potentially fall to Division 7, I think it's very likely that they fall into Division 7. If you go by um, past cut lines... And, and we projected that out a, a few weeks ago. We had them as the second, or excuse me, as the smallest Division Six school. However, those cut lines, especially at D6 and D7, are going to change a little bit because more and more schools have left Division Seven and gone to eight-player football, which means that cut line is going to continue to creep up. And at 198, as Regis is this year, I think that is very likely going to put them into Division Seven. There's a chance that Iola Scandinavia could drop down to Division 7 as well. Uh, of course, a team that won a state championship uh, just a few years ago. Uh, last year, were an excellent, excellent team. Only loss was at the end of the year to Edgar. But uh, I think Regis very likely to go to D7. I think Iola Scandinavia has a very good chance as well. Even a team like Coleman, Spring Valley, Shyocton, they are all very close to that cut line as it starts to creep up. And if that happens, of course, Division 7 really gets uh, a lot tougher if one or any of those teams go down to D7. Uh, at the, the higher end of the enrollment scale, Racine Horlick, we project to go down to Division 2. Uh, will be interesting to see what happens with that cut line. Um, but Horlick, a team that did very well in the spring, their only loss was to Menasha. And it's going to be interesting to see how they transition back to playing in the Southeast Conference uh, in, in butting heads with the likes of Franklin and Oak Creek, Kenosha Bradford, um, and, and where they slot in. But if they drop down to Division Two, that's a very interesting storyline to follow. Menominee and DeForest uh, are teams that the last time we had playoffs in Wisconsin, 2019, both of those teams went down to Division Three, and they are very close to that D2, D3 cut line once again. Uh, Catholic Memorial went down to Division Four a couple years ago, and I expect them to stay there. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're farther down that list. So I think CMH is going to stay D4 and is the heavy, heavy favorite to win it all in Division Four as they did a couple years ago. And St. Mary Springs, a team that has kind of bounced around on that bubble between D5 and D6, 
uh, they're they're very close to that cut line as well. So that's going to be another storyline to watch. Where do the ledgers fall in uh, in that? We had them as the smallest, or well, tied for the smallest D five team in our projections. But again, all it takes is one one team, you know, going up or down to to move that cut line. Uh, so probably a decent chance that Springs actually drops down to Division Six. Speaking of St. Mary Springs, they did not have the kind of season that we have come to expect from St. Mary Springs in the spring when they played as, as part of that flyaway conference that, that moved to the spring option. Uh, very talented team. Are they going to recover and get back to the kind of St. Mary Springs team that we know and love and expect from, uh, from head coach Bob Highland over there? Um, you know, is, is this, is this going to be a recovery year for them? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And, and again, they were a team that played in the spring and that's going to be something we'll continue to follow as well. How those teams that moved to the spring fare, if it was beneficial for them, potentially they got more recent work in, they were perhaps able to incorporate more young players, or if that was something where, you know, they, they got a little beat up and, and did it take its toll, uh, especially if some of those kids went right from spring football into a summer sport, or excuse me, a spring sports season, and then a very condensed summer schedule if, if they were playing other sports. So that, uh, that, that idea of if it was better to play in the spring or better to play in the fall, at least as it relates to the 2021 season, uh, in, in getting back to a, a fall schedule, if there was a benefit for any of those teams to either play in the spring or play in the fall. Uh, of course, the most dominant team in the state the last couple years played in the fall. The Muskego Warriors, they have a 37-game winning streak heading into this year. Can anybody catch the Warriors in the Classic 8? McGuanago would seem to be perhaps the the... the team best suited to challenge Muskego, but Arrowhead uh, has had made some improvements last year, but they just couldn't get past Muskego. They lost twice to the Warriors. Is Arrowhead, you know, itching and in, in getting closer to being the Arrowhead of old? Um, can Waukesha West, you know, a very good, solid team, can, can they challenge, excuse me, Muskego uh, without, at least as of right now, seeming like they will have a, you know, a, a, an elite level player at the at the skill positions they've got a, a division one lineman Landon Woodard but do they have that skill possession uh, skill position talent and explosive ability to be able to challenge Muskego uh, and can anybody catch Muskego at all in division one it's a a really loaded division one field as you look over some of those teams coming back um, of course you have Muskego there Franklin is really really good if uh, if if you're not going to pick Muskego, I think Franklin is a pretty good pick in Division One. But Kimberly, Sun Prairie, Appleton North, they are loaded as well. Have a ton of standout players coming back, elite level players, all state types of players. And you know what are we going to get out of Fond du Lac, a team that was so dominant in the springtime, but graduated almost everyone. In fact. Everyone from offense is gone, including Kyle Waljasper, including Braylon Allen. They've got a couple guys coming back in the uh, defensive secondary, but that's it. So it's going to be a very new team at Fond du Lac. But you know what? What does that mean for them? Does that mean a significant drop off? Does that mean still challenging for a conference title? It's it's a deep program, 
Steve Jorgensen, Steven Jorgensen, the, the younger Jorgensen has, uh, has certainly things going in the right direction, but you know, are, are, are they, um, where, where are they going to slot in, in, in division one? So those are all interesting storylines to follow. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, unfortunately, if, if you have teams that win, you also have teams that lose. And, and there's a couple pretty lengthy losing streaks that are, uh, that are in place right now. Eau Claire North has the uh, longest overall losing streak and I believe are tied for the longest active conference losing streak in the state. But that program's moving in the right direction, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that North will win a game this year and end the longest active losing streak in the state. And I think could end that conference losing streak as well. I think their conference streak dates back to 2013 or 2014, maybe, the last time they got a league win. Uh, but I think they could uh, they could get it done this year. Um, one of the big things that that uh, you know came out last year that we really didn't get a chance to see how it would it would impact things fully was the new statewide conference realignment, football only where all teams were placed in a league with either seven or eight teams. Everybody's playing the same number of conference games. Everybody is open for non-conference games in weeks one and two. And this will really be the first year that we we really know much about what that's going to, to do and impact because there were so many teams that either shut down, got moved around, perhaps moved to the spring option. We really didn't get a full uh, idea on the impact of those conference realignments. So... Um, it, we will we will get that this year, and it will be interesting to see how some of those things are impacted. Um, you know, some teams that have been put in much tougher situations, some some conferences that have become much much tougher. You know, you think about the FRCC North, where uh, it's it's essentially all the the best teams that used to be in the FRCC, uh, and then you add in a, a team like West Appear in there. Um, you know that's a really really difficult league where you got five or six teams that traditionally would make the playoffs, but out of an eight-team league, you're looking at four, perhaps five teams that will get in. So, um, you know that's one of those leagues where we're we're looking to see how that uh, impact plays out, and uh, of course, kind of along with that, last year was the first year for the uh, the automated seating or the computer seating of the postseason, the qualification process. Did not change, but how teams are seated did change last year, where computer seating will be used and, and was used last year. But again, because of everything being different, because a third of the teams moved to the spring and another third of the teams almost um, you know, opted out of the playoffs or weren't able to participate in the playoffs, it was hard to get a read on, on what the computer seating did and meant, especially when you had so many forfeits as well and, and how those will be, uh, you know, how those were were uh, impacting things. Um, the the WIA this year uh, will, for qualification purposes, any conference games that get canceled will be considered forfeits. Non-conference games are just a, a no contest. However, any games played, whether it's a uh, a replacement game or uh, you know for a team that you lost or a team that had to forfeit, whatever, only games played will count for that computer seeding of the playoffs. So if you get a forfeit win, it does not help you when it comes to seeding. It only takes into account the games you actually played. And again, it will include 
any replacement games you get. So picking up a game, if, if, if somebody cancels on you, it's not going to hurt you when it comes to getting into the playoffs, but it could have an impact on where your seed comes in. Hopefully, we don't have to worry about many canceled games, but hopefully, if we do have canceled games because of COVID, hopefully teams are still willing to show the kind of flexibility and you know, anybody, anytime, anywhere attitude that we saw last year that was so uh, prevalent and so uh, welcome, where you had teams, you know, just, hey, we want to play. Let's go find somebody. It didn't matter if they were a bigger team, if they were a better team. We just want to get a game and an opportunity. And hopefully that attitude continues if we do have some canceled games in the high school football season. And speaking of canceled games, unfortunately, as we have had almost every year for almost a decade now, there are some teams that have already called it quits. And surprisingly, there's some pretty big schools. Uh, came out a, a week ago or a couple weeks ago that Wausau East was canceling their varsity program. Did not have enough upperclassmen. I believe it was six seniors they had in their, uh, in their program. Um, and just did not have what it took to be competitive, to feel the competitive team. So they're going to cancel all of their opponents. Uh, conference opponents in the Valley Football Association will receive uh, conference uh, forfeit victories. Wausau East, uh, just over 1,000 enrollment. And then also this week, West Ellis Central announced that they did not have the ability to field a competitive varsity football team and will not be offering varsity football excuse me, varsity football, which means that all of their greater Metro Conference teams will be receiving a forfeit. Um, and interestingly enough, Wausau East uh, did schedule a number of eight-player games for their older kids. They kind of went back and forth from what I understand. It, it, they didn't feel it was the right thing to do to take you know, their, their upperclassmen, their seniors, and go down and play a JV schedule against sophomores. Um, so they're going to play an eight-player schedule, a, a, a limited one. I think right now they've got uh, four players or four games scheduled. I wonder if what, uh, West Dallas Central might do something similar. They did say in the release yesterday they're exploring some opportunities for their upper-class uh, players to 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 play and have some kind of uh, a season. But Wausau East, West Dallas Central, not playing their regular varsity football schedule. Uh, there's a few other teams that are still kind of in the balance from what I understand. And we're still kind of waiting to see also what's going to happen with all of the Milwaukee public schools leading up to the year and, and into the summer. There was a lot of uncertainty about how many teams will be there. Uh, I'm going to be following up with, uh, with, with the MPS and in that uh, district to, to find out exactly kind of what their plans are. Um, if they're going to have 14 football teams as they normally would or if there's uh, going to be some, unfortunately, some casualties. I, I know that there were some of those teams that, you know, into July did not have any players signed up for football, which, you know, is was expected, unfortunately, with uh, their school essentially being out of school, their kids being out of school for over 18 months. They were not in school. They kind of, some of them scattered to the wind and many of them took job opportunities or multiple job opportunities and, and weren't, you know, really getting back into that school and, and athletics mindset. Um, so that's going to be a continuing 
issue and, and potentially something that that will linger and uh, in you know we, we could see some uh, some things there but again we'll try to get some clarification other changes this year we had some pretty big coaching changes as well seven time state champion head coach John Hoke stepped aside at Lancaster Joe Labuda five state championships at Menominee he retired Rick Mullenberg stepped away for the second time um, in, in the last few years at Bangor. He won a couple of state championships uh, with the Cardinals as well. So between those guys, that's, uh, what was that, 14, I think it was, combined state championships between those three stepping aside. Coach Hoke and Coach Labuda, well over 300 wins each. So some of the best coaches in state history stepping aside, calling it a career uh, and, and if you listen to our podcast last week, of course, we had a great conversation with Coach Labuda, a great conversation with Coach Hoke about, you know, what led them to, 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 to decide this was the right time. Uh, also looking back at their coaching career, kind of how they got into coaching, you know, some of the things that stand out over the course of, uh, of their many successful seasons at the helm. Some other coaching changes of note as well. Rob Stoltz stepped aside at Greendale, very successful coach for about 20 years there. Still a relatively young guy, but uh, he, he stepped aside. John Steffenhagen at, at GET, he was a longtime head coach there. Uh, my Reedsburg Beavers, we got a new head coach this season. Calvin Zenz comes over from Columbus, uh, where he had a, a nice run there for a few years uh, and, and looking to get the Beavers back on track after some stumbles last mm-hmm. year. Uh, so coaching change is always a part of the, the conversation, of course, especially when you have some very notable ones uh, like Coach Hope, Coach Labuda, Coach Mullenberg uh, stepping aside. And it's not just coaching changes that are uh, you know, of note uh, heading into the high school football season. Some big-time changes at the WIAA. Dave Anderson had announced his retirement earlier this year. Uh, the executive director of the WIAA, but he had been a football guy. I mean, he's a he's a football coach. That's where his background was, um, and he had uh, been the the one to oversee football before he got the executive director job. And then after he retired, uh, Wade Lebecki announced his retirement as well. Shortly after uh, it was announced that he did not uh, get the executive director job to replace Dave Anderson. Wade Lebecki has been there for about twelve years now. At the WIAA, had overseen football, uh, former state champion head coach, former president of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association, a great ally for high school football. So those two guys leaving the WIAA office, uh, certainly noteworthy. Stephanie Hauser uh, hired as the new executive director of the uh, WIAA. Uh, Tom Shafransky, who has been at the WIAA for a number of years, uh, will move over and, and part of his new responsibilities will be to oversee the sport of football, and then also Mel Dow was hired to replace Wade Lebecki, although again, Tom Shafransky will oversee football, but Mel Dow, the former athletic director at Stoughton, he does have a football background as well. He's coached uh, some football, um, so still going to be kind of that football uh, background at the WIAA, but I know that there's, you know, there certainly was interest from a lot of people in the, in the high school football community about who would be taking those two positions following the retirements of Dave Anderson and Wade Lebecki. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, a lot of people are, are, are happy and, and looking forward to working with Tom Shafransky in, in what he's going to be able to, uh, to try to accomplish with the football coaches on behalf of the high school football players and high school football community. Changes, changes, changes. Uh, 
always changes, right? High school football is is ever evolving. Every year is different. Every team is different. Players graduate, new players come in. It's it's the nature of the beast. It's it's also part of what makes everything so fun and so special. Seeing new new faces come to the forefront, players develop, players uh, you know kind of push themselves beyond maybe what their uh, expectations were. And, and that's a, a, a big part of high school sports and a big part of high school football. So, with all that being said, what can you expect on WSN this year? Well, a lot of the same stuff that we've done for a long time and done very well, of course. Uh, as you have seen in the last uh, couple months on WSN, uh, back in June, we had our preseason team rankings. Those are still out if you want to check out you know, who we peg as some of the favorites in each division. Um, you can also check out our player rankings that were released in July, the senior player rankings where we did a top 15 at each position, uh, with breakdowns and evaluations on, uh, evaluations on each of those, uh, those players. And now, uh, we're into and in, in starting to wrap up our preseason conference previews where we preview every conference in the state with a look back at last year, kind of a recap of, of last season, um, some of the top players to watch this year, storylines to keep an eye on, uh, you know, a, 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 a recap or kind of a, 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 an analysis of, of each team in the conference, what they have coming back, what the outlook is, and a predicted order of finish for every team in that particular league. Of course, that always makes for some bulletin board fodder here and there, uh, and that's perfectly fine, as I always say. If you uh, if you use our preseason rankings or our our picks or our you know playoff picks or whatever uh, to to motivate your team, good on you. And if it helps, you know, send us a conference championship ring. We'll we'll gladly take that. But uh, those will be wrapping up here in the next uh, week or so on WSN, and then we'll get into kind of our regular cadence of content that we get into throughout the year. Although first we do have also our preseason watch list coming out for our senior football awards. Good to get back to normalcy with those. But uh, next week we'll have our uh, our list of the you know where you can watch and where you can listen to games, where you can stream uh, games. That's something that obviously became much more prevalent last year and will continue to be uh, heading into the the new season. It's only going to get bigger and better as more and more teams embrace that streaming opportunity. Uh, we will have our uh, not next week, but the week after we'll get into our doing our our coaches poll every Tuesday. Wednesdays, we'll have our, our feature on uh, eight-player football, where we'll take a look back at the big games in eight-player football, what happened the week before, preview some of the big games coming up, uh, recognize a, uh, an outstanding eight-player football player of the, uh, of the week from the previous year. Uh, Thursdays, uh, our, our weekly preview will come out, highlighting some of the big games, what to watch for, and a little bit of a, an expansion on our game of the week. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but it's, uh, it's going to be more than just, hey, this is the biggest game in the state. It's going to be, hey, where, what do you think is the biggest game in the state? What do you think is the one that is the uh, spotlight game? And I know many of you have, have sent me messages or tweeted at me or whatever over the years. Hey, why don't you come here? Why don't you come watch us play? Why don't you... You never watch us. You always ignore us. You're always going here, there, whatever. Well, for, for many years, of course, we had, uh, or I, I co-hosted Football Friday Night uh, based out of a studio in Madison. So I had to stay very local to Madison 
to be able to get to the studio, which meant I had to go to games basically in the Madison area. Madison schools, Verona, Wanakee, Middleton. Perhaps I could get out to, you know, a Lake Mills or a Columbus or a, a kind, of, kind of an outlying area, Lodi, something like that. But uh, generally, I had to stay very local uh, to be able to get back to the studio to co-host that. Um, I'm going to be involved in Football Friday Night still, uh, but it's more similar to what we did last year where I'm, I'm going to be able to go anywhere I want. Go around the state, just find, find games that, that uh, you know, are of, of interest. Um, going to do a segment or two as a, a guest on uh, Football Friday Night. Not serve as a, as a co-host in studio, but, but call in as a guest. Um, do some work behind the scenes, getting uh, coaches lined up, helping out with the scoreboards and things like that. But that will allow me to, again, get around and see some different games. And you're going to get a chance to help me decide where I go each week. Um, so we'll have, uh, we'll have some more information on that coming out next week. But it's, uh, it's going to be kind of a fun little thing we're going to be able to do this year. So, again, lots going on on, on WISports.net. You're going to want to make it a daily destination, especially now that high school football and high school sports are getting up and, and running and you know, about to hit that first week of games. We're excited to get back at it. We're excited to get out to games. We're excited to, uh, again, be back to more of a sense of normalcy. And, uh, and it's, it's going to be good. So uh, make sure you check in with sports.net each and every day. New content coming out all the time. Of course, you can follow me at TravisWSN on Twitter for all kinds of updates. Um, you can follow at WithSportsNet on Twitter. And you can follow our, uh, our football scores account as well which will auto-tweet scores uh, as they come in on football Friday nights at Football WSN. That'll get every final score in the state right into your Twitter feed automatically uh, to, to, uh, to get you up to date on what's going on. So there we go. We're, we're almost there. We'll have, uh, we'll have some more stuff coming next week as we get ready for that first week of the high school football season. But uh, scrimmages today, scrimmages tomorrow. And then it's here. It's time. But that will do it for today. This has been a WISports.net podcast. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game. <laughs>